0: Environment Today is a podcast about the current state of our planet's environment and ways to contribute to the health and prosperity of our ecosystem. Content presented by Amy and James Sharp. I'm James Sharp.
1: And I'm Amy Sharp. And I'm a certified financial planner by trade for the last 26 years. However, at the birth of my son, Alex, 22 years ago, I became really aware of the growing concerns of the environment's health. And I wanted more than anything to make sure that my children and my children's children had a place to live, enjoy nature, prosper. And so I began to study. I studied a great deal about the issues that were happening then and what I could do to make a difference. And since then, I have done a great deal to change how I live my life and how to be more eco-friendly, how to be sustainable in my approach to how I live my life. And so with this podcast, my goal is to find a way to educate where we are today based upon findings and what each of us can do each day that will help to make a difference. Please join me in this quest. Environment Today's podcast we will bring this and other reports to you every two weeks, putting these details into layman's terms as much as possible. You will receive a great deal more information than you would hear or read in short blurbs of daily news briefings. We want to bring you all the key facts in detail and then provide real-life solutions that you can implement after hearing the facts of each report.
0: All information being discussed today is from the report titled, Global Warming of 1.5 Degrees Celsius, an IPCC special report on the impacts of global warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels and related global greenhouse gas emission pathways in the context of strengthening the global response to the threat of climate change, sustainable development, and efforts to eradicate poverty.
1: In this report, more than 6,000 scientific references have been cited. 91 authors from the scientific community and review editors from 40 countries prepared this IPCC report in response to an invitation from the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, or the UNFCCC, when it adopted the Paris Agreement in 2015. This is the first special report from a series that will be created by the IPCC and was released October 8, 2018. The IPCC is an intergovernmental panel on climate change that is part of the United Nations body and is solely tasked with assessing the science related to climate change. Our first topic from this special report, human-induced warming. Human-induced warming reached approximately one degree Celsius above pre-industrial levels in 2017 and is increasing about 0.2 degrees Celsius per decade.
0: Some defining points here. Global warming is defined in this report as an increase in combined surface air and sea surface temperatures averaged over the globe and over a 30-year period. A 1.5 degree Celsius rise in temperature is the equivalent of 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit pre-industrial is referring to the approximate temperatures between the years 1850 and 1900.
1: Warming greater than the global average has already been experienced in many regions and seasons, with higher average warming over land than over the ocean. Past emissions alone are unlikely to raise global mean temperature to one and a half degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, but past emissions do commit to other changes, such as further sea level rise.
0: Definition Naturally occurring physical phenomena can be called geophysical. Geophysical is defined as relating to the Earth's physical properties and of the physical processes acting upon above and within the earth.
1: Our next passage states, If all human-caused emissions, including aerosol-related, were reduced to zero immediately, any further warming beyond the 1 degree Celsius already experienced would likely be less than a half degree Celsius over the next two to three decades, and likely less than a half degree Celsius on a century timescale, due to the opposing effects of different climate processes and drivers. A warming greater than one and a half degrees Celsius is therefore geophysically avoidable. Whether it will occur depends on future rates of emission reductions. Limiting overall emissions requires either reducing net global emissions of long-lived greenhouse gases to zero before the one and a half degree Celsius limit is reached, or net negative global emissions, which includes evolving technologies to reduce carbon emissions after the limit is exceeded. This report assesses projected impacts at a global average warming of one and a half degrees Celsius and higher levels of warming. Global warming is associated with global average surface temperatures fluctuating naturally on either side of 1.5 degrees Celsius, together with warming substantially greater than this level in many regions and seasons, all of which must be considered in the assessment of impacts. Impacts at 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming also depends on emission pathways as we approach this level. Very different impacts can result based upon the warming patterns occurring in various ways. The three scenarios that follow will have impacts that can be different. Scenario one, when warming remains below one and a half degrees Celsius, versus scenario two, warming that returns to one and a half degrees Celsius after a substantial overshoot above this level. Scenario three, if temperatures stabilize at one and a half degrees Celsius, after a transient or short-term warming past 1.5 degrees Celsius. At a global warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius, some seasons will be substantially warmer than this. Therefore, most regional impacts of a global mean warming will be different from those of a regional warming. The impacts of global warming will vary in both space and time. For many regions, An increase in global mean temperature by 1.5 degrees Celsius or 2 degrees Celsius implies substantial increases in the occurrence and or intensity of some extreme events, resulting in different impacts. Impacts of climate change are due to multiple environmental drivers, besides just rising temperatures. Other impacts include rising atmospheric carbon or CO2 levels, Shifting rainfall patterns, rising sea levels, increasing ocean acidification. Extreme events are expected, such as floods, droughts, and heat waves.
0: What measures can be taken that will keep us below this 1.5 degrees Celsius critical point?
1: Climate adaptation is one measure. Climate adaptation refers to the actions taken to manage impacts of climate change by reducing vulnerability and exposure to its harmful effects and exploiting any potential benefits. Adaptation takes place at an international, national, and local levels. Our communities, including urban and rural municipalities, are key to developing and reinforcing measures for reducing weather and climate-related risks. Adaptation implementation across all levels faces several barriers, including lack of up-to-date and locally relevant information, lack of finance and technology, social values and attitudes, and institutional constraints. Our cities and municipalities are at the front line of adaptation, focusing on reducing and managing disaster risks due to extreme and slow-onset weather and climate events, installing flood and drought early warning systems, and improving water storage and use. Agricultural and rural areas, including often highly vulnerable, remote and indigenous communities, also need to address climate-related risks by strengthening and making more resilient agricultural and other natural resource extraction systems. Other mitigation includes remedial measures. Remedial measures aim to temporarily reduce or offset warming. One such measure is solar radiation modification, or SRM. It should be noted that while some radiation modification measures, such as cirrus cloud thinning, aim at enhancing outgoing long-wave radiation, SRM is used in this report to refer to all direct interventions used to control planetary radiation. Large-scale solar radiation modification could potentially be used to supplement mitigation in the case of an overshoot scenario to keep the global mean temperature below one and a half degrees Celsius and temporarily reduce the severity of near-term impacts. The impacts of SRM, both biophysical and societal, costs, technical feasibility, governance, and ethical issues associated need to be carefully considered. These and other remedial and adaptation measures will be discussed further later in this report and in future podcasts covering this report. Ethical considerations are central to this report. Recognizing that many of the impacts of warming up to and beyond 1.5 degrees Celsius and some potential impacts of mitigation actions required to limit warming fall disproportionately on the poor and vulnerable that lack the resources or assets needed to adequately address their regional environmental issues. There is no single answer to the question of whether it is feasible to limit warming and adapt to the consequences. The global transformation that would be needed to limit warming requires enabling conditions that reflect the links, synergies, and trade-offs between mitigation, adaptation, and sustainable development. These enabling conditions are assessed across many dimensions of feasibility, but increasingly, geologically significant human influences on the Earth system as a whole. This framing also emphasizes the global interconnectivity of past, present, and future human-environment relations, highlighting the need for collaboration to achieve the goals of the Paris Agreement.
0: As you can see by this overview, the IPCC report contains valuable information on the key issues of climate change, and sharing this knowledge with as many people as we can moves us towards greater potential for progress as a whole in our communities and our world. What is one change I can make to reduce global emissions and greenhouse gases?
1: Taking a look at transportation is one of the best changes we can make because just about all of us participate in some form of transportation daily. At the most basic level, let's start with walking. If you live in a city or metro area and would like to look at how easy it is to walk to where you're going, take a look at WalkScore.com. This site measures how friendly an area is to walking. If your city's walk score from 1 to 100 is high then it's easy to get to places on foot or with a bicycle. You may also find that mass transit is easy to get to in these areas, which reduces your carbon footprint. If you live in an area with a low walk score, then it generally means that you are car dependent. If that's the case, then one option you may have is to go green when purchasing your next car. I recently purchased the Toyota Prius plug-in, which is known as a PHEV vehicle. That acronym stands for Plug-In Hybrid Electric Vehicle. These have gained a great deal of popularity in recent years because the car will run on both electric and gasoline. My car plugs in every night with a normal 110 volt plug. No modification of my house's electrical system was needed. As I drive around each day, Once my battery has exhausted its charge for the day, my car then converts to the hybrid technology, which is a mixture of gasoline and electric usage. My car's overall miles per gallon can be as high as 133 miles per gallon. I know, it's great. The amount of money that I've saved by not having to buy gasoline as often has really helped my overall budget in the year that I've owned it and that is only the beginning of the savings that I've received. I'm now able to get a discount with my electric company for having a plug-in electric vehicle. I also received a $4,500 federal tax credit in the year that I purchased my vehicle, and I know other vehicles receive even more in federal tax credits. I also received a $1,500 check from my state from their incentive program to buy a green vehicle. Another perk is from my DMV. I've been able to receive a sticker that I affix to the bumper of my car, and it allows me to drive in the carpool lane in my state, even when I'm driving alone. The advantages of buying this car made a great deal of sense to me, and I decided to do this after seeing daily reports on climate change that really concerned me. I feel great about this decision, and I know that it's one step that I took to do my part in reducing emissions. If you can buy a new car, then there's no better time than now with all the car manufacturers' latest releases that give you so many green choices, as well as the incentives that I talked about that can be a real plus. However, if that's not an option today, consider joining a carpool with others either through word of mouth, meetup groups, or simply search in the internet, find a carpool near me, and you'll find many resources. All of these choices are things you can do today to make a difference by starting right now. I hope you join me in two weeks for our next podcast. That will be part two in the series that covers the IPCC report and educates us on the environment today.